When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to this special edition of the Tinderbox. We are taking a break from talking Calgary Flames hockey today. And instead, we are going behind enemy lines with Stanley Cup of Chowda's own Skyler. Talking Bruins and Flames ahead of the Calgary Flames and Boston Bruins on Sunday afternoon, East Coast time, Saturday or East Coast. Saturday night, East Coast time. I get these time zones so screwed up, Scott. This is what happens when you cover it. <laughs> As a mountain time team when you live on the East Coast. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm doing just fine. And let me know, tell you, uh, I do both the Boston Bruins and the Seattle Kraken. I know well the pain of yes. trying to uh, figure out Eastern to Pacific time. <laughs> yeah, see, I've got a bad too because I'm just trying to do time zone math and then temperature math too. So it's like, oh, it's double way everywhere. And I fail miserably at both all the time. As you can see, we're already off to a good start. Yeah. So, uh, as you mentioned, we're hanging out with the Stanley Cup of Chowder today. Skyler, if you would like to follow him at S-K-Y-O-N-A-I-R underscore. That's Sky On Air underscore. Um, and he is with the Stanley Cup of Chowder, the Boston Bruins site for SB Nation. So let's kick it right off. Um, the Bruins have played the second fewest games in the league. Uh, weird schedule for them to start um this week off of... did not help this week off did not help at all <laughs> no no um but at least you're playing at home you're not like off and then having to travel somewhere at least most of the oh no are... this is a this is a home and home series uh they go they go on the road uh on saturday to play the flyers and then they oh, come nice. right back home to bring the flames flames home oh that's not good yeah that's a tough time off and then go at least i mean <laughs> philly's short at least it's like a five hour to, for the five yeah, and a half a... hour ride from here and then like a two-hour flight top so i guess that's not too bad but um not a lot of games um bruins kind of been an up and down start to the season um what's contributed to that odd start for them well um they've had some injury issues critically to craig smith who is generally considered the epitome of consistency Mm -hmm. um i believe that when he was with the uh predators the preds sb nation site call said that you're always good for about 20 goals with him and after that it's sort of how how the rest of the team is playing around him but he's had a slow start he got hurt um he's had some covid issues he's played eight games and he doesn't have any points that's not good for charlie coyle who is now the second line center after david Krejci left uh, to go back home and that's a bigger problem for taylor hall the guy who for lack of a better term, has been asked to, you know, be the be a little bit more of a punch for that second line that they've been asking for, you know, for years and years and years to have more than one line that has that can really do things. And so he's forced to do a little more. Uh, in general, I think the problems that have made this start so mercurial is that the defense that uh, most fans at the very least except is part of a Boston Bruins experience as good defense has regressed quite a bit. And it's not just one player. Um, it's usually if one player is having a bad night, then another player gets overplayed and then they start to have a bad night. Like if Brandon Carlo gives a, a terrible puck uh, 
turnover away, then Mike Riley is going to have something similar happen to him. Or if Connor Clifton is having trouble on, in front of the net, then Derek Forbort is also going to have trouble in front of the net. It's to the point where uh, Charlie McAvoy almost has to have a Norris caliber shift every single time he's out there, which is, you know, what you want out of a good defenseman, especially your number one. But if you're, if your defense requires your best player to play a plus hockey all the time, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. That's a tough spot for anybody to be in. You can't be on every shift, every minute, every second of every game. It's just not fair. And as I look down, I mean, the Bruins, uh, Scoring definitely been a problem so far this year. The 26th in the league with 40 goals for, but uh, goals against you guys have the second best, their best. Like you, you're not giving up a ton of goals, which is good. Is that more uh, goaltending as opposed to defense, or is it a combination? It's a combo. Um, for all the things I said about that, for the most part, the system still works, and that's a good thing. Um, I would say that uh, someone like Jeremy Swayman coming up as well as he did and just as naturally playing as he does with the position, it makes it so much easier when you transition away from your number one goaltender for uh, almost 10 years to the day. So if you happen to have these giant breakdowns, uh, guys like Swayman can help you survive them. And if you have, you know, these extended sequences in the zone, a guy like Swayman can really uh, calm things down. I imagine that that's sort of the feeling that Flames fans have with someone like, say, Markstrom or Vladar. Yeah, pretty. I mean, the Flames goaltending this season has just been bananas. I mean, it's crazy as their last five wins. They've been on a weird streak where they were one, two and two. And um, mm -hmm. they, they won last night. They shut out uh, the Buffalo Sabres five nothing in a game that looked like an NHL team playing a JV hockey team from a high school. It was Buffalo was just atrocious. I mean, well, we you know, know Buffalo is bad, but they are bad. But they, you know, it's, it's actually They're probably a special a bad now. Yeah, it's probably a shot at a JV team. Actually, I probably should have said that. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's really nice for the Flames to finally have a an on ice practice that everyone can go to. <laughs> exactly. But we go back to Flames goaltending, and like they've their last five wins have come by shutouts. Like that's yeah. how good their goal. Vladar's had one of them, and then Markstrom's had four. He's got now got five shutouts on the season. I wanted to flip this real quick. I had it down the list, but now we're talking about goalies. Um, Dan Vladar, like. Out of nowhere, I guess the Flames were hot on him last year. They were looking for him. They brought him in, and we all kind of scratched our head. with like, that, that guy, number 80, really? He's going to be the backup guy? And played pretty well, but, I mean, he he's beaten the Capitals in overtime. Uh, mm -hmm. He's beaten the Devils. He took he had a he had a lead. Flames defense kind of caved in on him and lost in overtime to the Maple Leafs 2-1. to one. Um, And then he had a shutout. He's played really, really well. Uh, are you surprised Vladar's having that kind of success? or Because you guys didn't see him a lot last year. It was, what, like eight games? Yeah, it was about eight games. He didn't he when he came into the league, uh, we kind of expected that, yeah, you could probably fit him in as like a backup for, you know, the next year or something yeah. like that. Have like have Swayman, a veteran, and then Ladar as your tandem. But yeah, he's really taken to uh, the flame system. He's played out of his mind. Um, it's surprising, definitely. and. Given the amount of money that has been spent on Linus Allmark, I'm very happy for Dan Vladar. <laughs> Super happy he gets to be part of a team that can support him. I'm I'm, I'm sensing a little bit of sarcasm there in your voice. I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little <laughs> perturbed. 
See, it's funny. You guys lose guys like that and get upset. The Flames bring in guys, and we're bringing it. We, you know, we bring in Troy Brower. We bring in James Neal. Like, you know, like you know, things are bad. Like years ago, when you trade James Neal, and we're like, we'll gladly take Lucic's contract. Bring him on. Bring on the line. We'll take that contract because <laughs> who just could get have known how this would have turned out? Right. It's just, exactly. it's just impossible to have known. <laughs> it's funny how fans can see, but sometimes management and scouts just don't pick up on these things. Um, I will flat out admit. I live in Massachusetts. I work in the city of Boston. I am a member of the Boston media. Mm-hmm. I have zero clue what the fan pulse is with the Bruins this season because, A, I don't listen to sports radio in Boston because I can't do it. Smart, I am. smart, smart. Main reasons are I hate the Patriots, so I can't do it. I'm not a Red Sox fan. I don't care about basketball, and I listen to Calgary Sports Radio because I'm a weirdo that lives 25 minutes from Boston but roots for a team you know, 25 a, a hours, 32 hours. A little beyond 25 minutes. <laughs> Right, exactly. So what is the fan pulse of Bruins fans as as the season is going along? I mean, the schedule's been weird, kind of been up and down with some injuries, but what are the fans thinking about the Bruins right now? Well, I think the schedule has definitely uh, not made it better because there's these long stretches in between games. And if they've lost one, then there's a lot of time to think about it. And, you know, this is an area where the team's real old. And so a lot of fans have a very antiquated sometimes view of what needs to be changed. Um, But also, you know, the team has been so good for so long. And especially in this area where there is at least a psychological belief that if things are good, they should stay good forever. Because if they don't, the bad times are going to come back and the bad times are going to stay forever. And so that's changed. That changes a lot of the way that people think about the sport because, you know, they beat the Devils and then they beat Montreal, which is always a good uh, people pleaser around here. But, you know, if they go into this next week having to wait a couple days to play Buffalo and they split this, uh, there's going to be some arguing. I think the the principal feeling among fans is a little bit of apprehension. It's like knowing that you need to have a life-changing surgery before things go really badly because they know pain's coming Yeah, because this is probably the last year or the second to last year that this team is going to be a, you know, cup contending sort of team. And so no one really wants this to come as fast as it has. So no, go on ahead. No, I was going to say, when you, you look at Bruins history too, like having grown up here and known how the Bruins franchise works, I mean, there was the, you know, there was the 80s and 90s with Moog going up against Ranford, battling Edmonton in the Stanley Cup finals, the power going out at the old garden, the game having to be moved. Like, And the, you know how Boston fans are very superstitious. If something goes wrong, it's over. It's done forever. Life's never yeah, going to be yeah. the same. And the Bruins, for a long time, were bad. The old joke was all that Jeremy Jacobs cared about was hot dogs and beer. He didn't care about the product on the ice. So it's got to be, at times, I guess, tough for Bruins fans to sit there and go, oh, God, we can't go back to that, right? We can't go back to the mid-90s, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel like is a a big part of this is a lot of and especially because, you know, you brought in a lot of new fans over the past uh, 14, 15 years who haven't experienced that across uh, Boston sports. And so the possibility of this team kind of becoming sort of an also ran in the vein of like uh, Detroit a couple years ago or uh, maybe not to the same extent, but like a team that struggles more often than they control games. That sort of thing is really going to wear on the psyche of a fan base that has just gotten uh, 
that is hoping that things stay com- comfortable. Yeah. Which the, which they've had a lot of, you know, comfortable things happen. They've had a smooth transition from one almost 10 year long captain to another almost 10 year long captain, or it definitely feels that way. And then they're going from a decade long number one goaltender to a new guy. It's, it's a, a lot of change happening really quickly on a team. That's usually been pretty good at uh, creating a nice smooth transition between eras to quote Rick Pitino, uh, Patrice Bergeron isn't coming over the Zakem Bridge on a Zamboni anytime soon. And if he does, he's going to be old and gray, right? Kind of the Yeah, more or less. Not looking forward to the uh, Lord Byron and PJ Stock post-era Bruins. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, All right, so we got the fan pulse out of the way. Um, And, you know, this is a a pretty tough market, too, because media is always tough on teams. Um, And the one thing I will say about Bruin fan, too, is that I've always liked and respected Bruins fans from the standpoint of the old joke is the Red Sox always had the pink hats, right? Everybody showed up at the ballpark because it was an event. It was something fun to do. Um, If you go to the Garden, you're a Bruins fan. Like you're yes, not you going are. there because you're like, oh, this is something fun we'll take in for the evening. No, you're showing up in your your Terry O'Reilly or your Cam Neely, and you're enjoying your evening. That's that's mm-hmm. what I've always respected about a Bruins, the Bruins fans. Um, so I actually got a pretty cool Bruins fan story. We'll close at the end of this uh, when it relates to Calgary. But um, okay. the Flames four nine and zero in their last thirteen uh, at the Garden. Um, they're giving up three and a half goals per game. A lot of that is padded by the lovely We Want 10 game, which I mm-hmm. so happened to be at, which was a joy. <laughs> um, the Flames don't play well at TD Garden. Is that something like West Coast team coming out to the, or you know Midwest team coming out to the East Coast travel, or is TD Garden a tough place to play for opposing teams? Um, it's it. I would say that it's a little easier than it used to be, um, mm-hmm. you know, because the old pillbox uh, ice uh, configuration back in the old garden, but in the in the modern era, I think that part of the problem that the Flames have had against the Bruins is that I think previously their styles just there was a hard wall because the Bruins were all about super deep uh, defense with a little bit of offense in there for flavor, uh, good transition, and if they had to be good on special teams, then they were going to be great on special teams. And, you know, uh, in between seasons, the Flames would normally be a pretty uh, either fast team or a team that scored a lot of goals or sometimes a team that that sort of required one player to be the arbiter of their offense. And that's easy for a team that's deep on defense to, you know, snuff out. And so I think that normally it's it's I don't think it's any different. But I definitely think if you're a very high skill team that's used to uh, the puck not bouncing on every which way and the boards not occasionally giving assists to the other team like they do at TD Garden, which is, you know, a trick of the mind, I suppose, or just the way that these boards are constructed. um, it, It can be tough. I can I can definitely see a team like the Flames that have had, you know, all these great players come through and still have trouble against the Bruins. Um, I can definitely see them having uh, a, just a goat to get with this team. Because yeah, it's it just seems like every time I, I the only time I think I've ever seen them win at the Garden was the um, was the shootout game, mm-hmm. um, and, and and the rest of the time it's it's been an absolute nightmare. Like they show up and they're just they're just trash. They're terrible. 
Um, especially that nine nothing game. I remember sitting there and just being like, "Oh my god, really? Like, what is going? <laughs> like, like Henrik Carlson, the Calgary was... Tower starts the game. He's terrible. Kiprasov comes in. He's a nightmare. Again, was going for a career milestone, and he looked like he was like, "Let's just get in the locker room and get the hell out of Boston." Like this was terrible. You know? Yeah, I remember. I, I imagine game... after. I imagine it at five nothing. Any team that is on the receiving end of that just immediately says, "Okay, I think we've had. I think we've seen enough. Yeah. Let's just make yeah. this. Let's not make this worse." And the we want 10 chant was just bananas. I yeah, remember that... leaving that game. I was with my cousin and we were meeting my other cousin. And he's like, let's go to let's go to Sully's afterwards. I'm like, I can't go over there. I do not want jersey. to go to Sully's. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no, come on, come on. So it's like, all right, I walked in. I had a I had a I've had enough personal on. pain inflicted on me today. Thank you. Yeah, right. Let's not get. So I walk up to the door and I got my again, the Heritage Classic jersey on, you know, the Ronald McDonald, like red and yellow oh, yeah. stripe one. And the bouncer looks at my ID. He goes, you're from here. What's your problem? I'm like, I don't know. I made a lot of bad choices. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I'll let you in, but do me a favor. If somebody bothers you, please come get me and I'll take care of them. And it's like, I always joke. It's like that scene from Police Academy when um, the two cops walk into the Blue Oyster and the music stops. And it's like, <laughs> it, was, it was like I walked in and like this huge, huge guy is classic Bruins fan walks up in his O'Reilly jersey. And I'm staring up at him like, well, this is where I'm going to die. I'm going to die at Sully's. This is the last place. And he puts his arm around me and he goes, buddy, I'm sorry. You had a rough night. Beer's around me. What are you drinking? That's great. And I was like, oh, this is where I die right here for a team that nobody cares about in this state. <laughs> that's my that's my Sully's. That's my Sully's. That's story, a good so. story. That's yeah. a real good story. Also, last time I was ever in Sully, so I took my. I said, "You know what? I got a mulligan. I'm out of here. This is the last time I ever show up." Here. I, I think I think I've seen enough to know that going to Sully's is a bad time now. Exactly. Um, actually, interesting little connection though between the Bruins and Flames as we slowly start to wrap things up here. Um, the Flames have six shutouts through their first uh, 17 games, which is the first time that has happened since 1943 in the modern era of the NHL. Um, did you know? Good. The last team to do that were the 1938-39 Boston Bruins. Really? Yep. That is, that's some pretty good, that is a lovely bit of trivia. And frankly, I think that Flames fans definitely need that. I think Can that we... uh, the, the kind of, the kind of, uh, the kind of up and down seasons that you guys have had, I think that's definitely something that you could, that uh, Calgary has desperately needed to get back on, on board with this team. And much like any fan of any New England sports team, we sit here and we go, well, the other shoe is going to drop at some point. Like, it can't be this good. <laughs> it has to, so, you know, it's got to come back yeah, around. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm thinking. It's just uh, any any time that you understand, you're not used to just success. It, it doesn't co- doesn't quite come up as, this is great. Everything's turned around. Everything's sunny. It's just, those clouds look like they could rain soon. <laughs> we just sit here and go, all right, the real flames are going to show up at some point. It's it's just has to happen. It's, it's destiny. That's how it works. And I guess my only other Bruins flames tie, and obviously Dougie Hamilton, um, you know, the trade on draft day, but uh, or for picks. Did you know uh, when the Bruins uh, had Jim Craig, Calgary owned his rights, the flames traded Jim Craig to the Bruins for two draft picks. And one of those draft picks that they got for Jim Craig turned out to end up being Mike Vernon, who won the Flames' Stanley Cup. So thank you to the Bruins for that one as well. Well, it's good to know that at least two teams have made bad decisions regarding Dougie Hamilton. So, <laughs> You know, I, I'm okay with the Flames getting rid of him because they ended up getting Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin in return. So it kind of worked yeah, out for you know Calgary. What? Yeah, you know what? It worked out. Every everything works out for you guys. I'm so happy. Oh yeah, right. Well, listen. There's enough. There's enough. There's enough. Baggage there's a bit, piled up. There's so. enough chaff in this wheat. 
Yeah. Listen, the Flames had to, we lost the Brett Hall trade. The Flames lost the Doug Gilmore trade. Uh, the Flames lost the Martin St. Louis trade. So they, they've had some bad trades in the past. So we're, the Calgary was due for at least one or two at some point. Um, yeah. uh, finally, uh, Jerome McGinley, uh, Hall of Fame, Hockey Hall of Famer uh, on Monday. I uh, always thought that was a weird day to have the enshrinement ceremony. Is on yeah, Monday yeah. Night. Have, that on, have that on like a Saturday night so that everyone right. can be there and have it on TV sort of deal. Yeah, like most normal, like most normal sports do. Um, the Bruins had Jerome McGinley in 2013-14. His actual last playoff appearance, oddly enough, ended up being the Bruins' best performer in those 12 games. He had seven points. Um, any specific memories you have about uh, Iggy's brief time in Boston? And I'm one of those people that wished it was a little bit longer because it was actually watched Bruins games at that point. Oh, of course. Um, I, I think talking about Jerome McGinley from the prospect from the perspective of a Bruins fan is hard because. You know, he had an absolutely out of his mind playoffs. He was everything that you could have asked a hockey player to be or ever wanted a hockey player to be. He was an instant favorite when I, when he got here. Um, a lot of people were kind of salty with the guy when he got traded to the Penguins because they thought that he was going to be their guy in 2012. And, you know, yep. they there was a lot of people who sat there at the end of that uh, playoff series with the Penguins and said, all right, don't you want to come here now? And then he came. And it was this great moment for everyone where he just looked like Jerome McGinley always does. But from the perspective of a Bruins fan, I'm not sure I could describe the feeling of watching a player that special because, you know, this team has been... Uh, as as successful as it has he just mm -hmm. made it so much more fun is you're just sitting there like man this team is loaded they've got so much going for them and they've got jerome mcginley now how on earth could this team lose the cup and you know things go the way they do but to from the perspective of a bruins fan there is no feeling that i have that could possibly eclipse the way that he meant to any flames fan like in the middle of the dead puck era, he was scoring 50 goals. And yeah. in the middle of some of the most butt crunchingly ugly hockey ever, he <laughs> was playing beautiful hockey. And that's and for the Calgary Flames. And he was there forever. Yeah. He was an intergenerational star, and that's something special. No, agree. And it's it's amazing to have those numbers doing the Lou Amarello. Uh, New Jersey trap, Eric Lindros headshot era to, to be, <laughs> to be, to have that kind of success. But I always thought too, when he came to the, I never thought like he fit well with the Penguins. That's a high flying, you know, fast yeah. team. When he signed with, actually, oddly enough, I was on the Cape with a friend of mine who's a huge Bruins fan. And he's like, again, let's just sign with the Bruins. I'm like, no, he didn't. They'll never take me. He's like, no, he didn't. We were both like, I was like, oh my God, I was happy for him because to me, he always fit. Like if he was going to play for somebody else, I would think Boston or Philly because he's got yeah. that that mentality of skate shoot pass hit fight lead like he just if if he wasn't going to play in calgary i'm glad he got his his time in boston because it was nice to be able to see him up close you know and just that's a team that fit his style so yeah so well, thank yeah, you he, he he was a classic power forward and the thing about the classic power forward is that's rare rarer even now because you know uh scouts and uh coaches at junior level will try and either play up an offensive side or play up a defensive side that kind of player being as long long lived in the sport as he did and succeeding as much as he did is something special 
And I think that uh, we may not see a player like him for a very long time. And I really hope that people recognize just how special this player was. Well said. Um, anything you uh, want to add before we get out of here? Um, no, I just hope that uh, both sides have a good time and it's a nice, even game. Perfect. Best way to say it. I never asked for a prediction. Uh, every time I get asked to do a prediction, I'm like, I don't know. I'm always three uh, to one. Last, three to, last, three to last couple times I gave a prediction to a podcast the Bruins lost. So uh, I'm totally cool with not giving one today. The last time someone gave me a prediction about it was Philly uh, Flames and Kelly from Broad Street was like, uh, she goes, I think the uh, I think the Flyers are going to win five, three. And then Markstrom shut them up four to nothing. So I talked to her two days later. I was like, so about that shutout. She's like, no, problem. <laughs> like, good, good idea. So excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much. We've been joined today on the Tinderbox special edition uh, behind enemy lines with Skylar from the Stanley Cup of Chowder. You can find him on Twitter at skyonair underscore, and you can always find them on the web at stanleycupofchowder.com and cupofchowder at cupofchowder on Twitter. That's it, right? It's, it's just at cupofchowder. Yes, of that's chowder. just cupofchowder yes. on See? my show prep is my show prep is absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Flames and Bruins Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time for us, 5 p.m. Mountain time for you guys in Calgary. Skylar, thank you so much for coming on and talking a little Flames and Bruins with us today. Hey, no problem. This was a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, uh, we'll have to do it again. And oh, thank sure. you all for listening as well. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify. Just search up the Tinderbox or Matchsticks and Gasoline. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time.